joining us. Hi, Ferret. Hi, Flame. Hi, Fandom. Welcome, welcome, everyone, to episode 10, Steve's birthday party. Yay! Our art this week is from Hot Damn It's Caitlin, and it's so festive. Thanks for letting us use it. We love it. We are going to be all about Steve Love in this episode. So we're going to start off first with my conversation with Bill Longbow, who is one of the most pro-Steve folks in my personal circles of fandom. Then Flame and I share a little Steve Love as well as we talk about his arc as a character, mostly focusing on the MCU and the difference between pre-serum and post-serum and post-ice Steve, both in canon and in fandom. Then we hear from some of you about your Steve Love, read by our Steve Thirst correspondent, Alex Jameson, before checking in on the Steve Tony games, hearing a trope off update, and getting your event forecast, as well as a brand new mini segment. So let's get started. Podcastlandia. I am here today with Bill Longbow, most famously of the Stacconi fandom, but also a firm pom palmer of all the three idiots and all their permutations. Uh, so, Bill, thank you so much for joining me. Hi, thank you for having me and for asking me. Oh, of course. Well, when I think of when I think of Steve Rogers, you are one of the people I think of. Which is uh, a huge compliment, so oh, thank so, you. <laughs> so glad. For listeners, Bill and I have been on the Stuckoni server together for pretty much almost my whole time in fandom. Um, and Bill is one of the people that I know that loves Steve Rogers with her whole heart. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, but before we get into that, I'd love to know kind of how you got into fandom. Uh, well, um, I'm, I'm a fandom noob. I'm, I'm only in fandom and fandom um, since I think about three years. Um, it was around the, um, the, the time my, my daughter was born or was yet to be born, but um, I found myself with a lot of time on my hands. So I was looking at Pinterest and well, just uh, uh, aimlessly uh, killing time on the internet. And then um, somehow I found um, uh, a stony uh, pictures and suddenly my whole world was just upside down and I thought oh <laughs> oh oh this is interesting <laughs> <laughs> this is a good thing and um, this was my first experience with with any kind of shipping or um, I, I, I just didn't um, didn't get that in my when, when I was younger or um, so it was um, it was really my my, my first um, shipping experience and then um, uh, from that time on I couldn't see anything else but ships <laughs> and uh, first off was Stony of course so um, uh, from the Pinterest I found um, uh, art and I found the Tumblr and I found uh, the archive and um, uh, quickly, I uh, switched from Stony to uh, Winter Iron as my uh, OTP, and um, uh, reading fix, um, I joined the Winter Iron server, and um, I stayed there for quite a bit. But um, yeah, that that was my fandom origin story, and um, the the Winter Iron server for people who don't know it, it's uh it, it, when i joined it it was tiny it was it was really small now i think they have about seven or eight hundred uh members but when i joined it there were less than a hundred i think 
um, and everyone was super welcoming and so nice and uh, encouraging. And so I started writing because uh, someone uh, posted an art and I just could not not write uh, something for it. And um, that's how it all started. And now I'm 99 fix in. That's crazy. Do you write, yeah. do you, you, do you write Stuccone the most? Yeah, okay. at the moment I do, yeah. Um, so I started as Stony. And, um, but I think it was about, I, I think I found a lot of um, post-Civil War fix and um, I, well, somehow I, I rolled into, into Winter Iron and I just thought it, it, it fitted way better, the, the character of Bucky with the character of Tony. And, uh, in one of the fix I saw, it was such a, such a nice way to put it. Um, they both have, um, have these jagged edges, but together they fit. Mm, I like, I I like that, that way. Yeah, and, and I really loved it. But, um, well, <laughs> you're not interviewing me on Steve's birthday for my winter iron love, so. <laughs> well, I firmly believe even in winter iron, Steve loves them. So it totally fits. You can say whatever you want. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, the story doesn't end there, of course, because now I'm the, the mod of the, of the big uh, Stacconi server. So um, there's more. Um, we... Uh, uh, we start. I, I started role playing, and um, I'm not sure if everyone knows what role playing is, but it's actually just um, well, sort of like writing fic, but then really getting into the character. And um, somehow I rolled into a Stacconi role play, and um, no one wants to be Steve <laughs> because it's such a difficult character to get into. And um, so I became Steve by default and um, and it just clicked or it fit and uh, the people I played with they said wow you're such you're such a Steve you're the Steviest Steve we have ever met <laughs> 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 and um, well uh, by, by diving into his character and just exploring all the different um, dimensions of it and um, uh, also exploring the way the um, the MCU has, has has done his character such a disservice, and then trying to come up with um, with explanations of um, of why he behaved like he did. Um, well, it it only made me uh, fall in love with his character more. Oh, that makes sense. So, what about <clears throat> I guess what about the specifics of that? So, what about you know they got that they got him wrong that made you fall in love with him let's start there to, to start i think it's fair to say the uh, in my view I, I know the mcu has a lot of fans but in my view they did almost every character huge disservice um, <laughs> i don't i don't disagree <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, it, um, there's there's hardly any character development uh, the characters uh, are, are like cardboard cutout versions of themselves yeah with, it's with like really they just random needed they just needed bodies to tell the action scenes sometimes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then uh, every time there is some kind of character development in the next movie, it's all wiped, wiped away. Um, but, but um, well, I, I am very grateful for giving us the pretty faces and the pretty butts. <laughs> this is yes. what the MCU got right. <laughs> yes, America's ass. Thank you so much. Yes. <laughs> so, um, so what then about Steve makes the most sense to you, I guess? His fight against things that aren't fair. I think that's one of his major character traits. 
um, coupled with um, how tenacious he is. And um, I think if you if you look at um, at, the, um, at, at like Civil War or, or the whole or the, the Age of Ultron or like the whole MCU, um, he was such a damaged man, such so so damaged, and uh, they totally uh, skipped over that. So I, I really love exploring that part, seeing um, how um, how how absolutely traumatized he must have been, how uh, how full of uh, self hate for uh, letting his best friend fall to his death. And then again, for uh, not uh, going to uh, find the body uh, of this friend who turned out to be uh, tortured for decades. Yeah, they just really conveniently ignored all of his PTSD. Yeah, yeah, uh, all of it. And um, well, I, I, I do think the, the actors do a really good job of, of playing their characters and, and in really small things. Um, just body language and, and, and how they do their faces. And, and, and I think uh, Chris Evans did a wonderful job with, uh, with Steve Rogers. Like um, um, in, in, the, in Age of Ultron, you just, he's just, you don't see any character. All the character he had in, um, in the earlier movies, like the liveliness and, and, and stuff, it's, it's all gone. It's just, it's just like, um, uh, like he really believe just as, he's just a perfect soldier. Yeah, he and, just frowns a lot. Like that's all they give him to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, yeah. But I, 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 I do think it fits if you if you see uh, all the all the trauma he went through. Um, you could easily uh, diagnose him with uh, with a clinical depression. Yeah, and, then, and and this is what it would look like: uh, someone with a depression who still has this sense of um, um, also a sense of honor and sense of duty, uh, and, and and really has no other 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 thing to do, or or, or does any uh, doesn't know any way, other way. Hmm. Does it, That's do I make sense? Yeah, no, it does. <laughs> I've never really thought about. Um, that one of his tensions would be that he's just so, I guess, like drowning in this shame and guilt that he's put on himself. And yet he's still so activated by honor that that like just bone crushing exhaustion he must feel. I never really thought about it that way. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, he, uh, he, he really carries it all uh, by himself. And um, uh, I, I absolutely detest the Age of Ultron movie for, <laughs> sorry, uh, listeners who liked it. Uh, but I do like the, the, the final scene when, um, when they're at the compound and uh, he's talking to Tony and then he says, um, I'm home. And mm. it's such a lie, it's such a lie. Just the, the, the lie drips uh, out of his pores. But he tries to, um, I don't know, convince himself, I think. And, and I really like to, to think about those, uh, those little pieces the, the MCU gives us. So, so do you encounter Steve anywhere else? Like, do you read the comics or um, is, um, has it just yeah. been the MCU and then Fick? Like, where else do you find him? Um, I do uh, read a little bit of comics. Um, unfortunately, I don't have a lot of time. So usually I read comics when I do research when I write. So. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, I do have a subscription to uh, to the Marvel uh, Comics uh, site, so uh, I am able to read a lot of comics if I had more time, but, well, real life is a thing. 
And wow. um, I think the way I see Steve is a little bit of a hodgepodge of um, your know, traits I uh, ascribe to him myself, uh, things I see in the comics and the things I wrote, uh, read in fix and things we saw in the MCU. So. And so are there any, like, I was thinking about all the different fandom versions of him. Like, I don't know Hydra Cap or any, like, the more comic ones. Um, I've only really dipped into 616 and ults a little bit. I've Mm. not really done a lot else. Um, Listeners will know that I feel very overwhelmed by comics. um, And I don't always know where to start. And I get, I get, I just, I get to be a very overwhelmed flame. Um, yeah, <laughs> but, I'm an overwhelmed Bill as well. <laughs> it's like, why are there so many? Can't we just? Um, so, are there ones that you stay away from? Like, I know you love pre serum small Steve. Oh yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, so. But like, are you like, do you stay away from stories with Hydra Cap? Like, are there ones that you prefer over others? All these different versions of him that we have. Um, I, I don't read Hydra Cap. I just think it's such a, no, I don't. I, okay. I, I, I can't read it. I, I did read one pic where he was uh, really deranged and uh, abusive and, and it just, no, it's not for me. Yeah, uh, it would be hard for me too. Um, I really like the um, uh, uh, 1872. Oh, that's right. And t- could you tell us what that's about for listeners who have never encountered it? Oh yeah, it's um, uh, oh no, I have to get it right. <laughs> it's, well, it's a Western uh, AU, right? Yeah, it's a Western uh, alternative uh, alternative universe uh, brought about some cataclysmic events in this, I think, in the six one six series, um, where um, uh, which brought about uh, a lot of different AUs. Uh, I think um, Planet Hulk is also. Oh no, no, <laughs> uh, scratch that. I, I'm not. I don't know what I'm talking about. But um, there are uh, different worlds, and um, and this is the um, this is the Western one, and I really love it. And uh, also because Tony is so so good in it, and so it's so painful, and um, and I just really like the style and the, yeah. Is there a lot of pining in it? There is. Yeah, <laughs> really obvious pining. Yeah, well, yeah. Obvious pining is the best pining. Yeah, and uh, Tony has the, the biggest guilt uh, issue, so that's always nice. We do love torturing these men, don't we? My gracious. Yeah, oh, uh, they, they hurt so pretty. <laughs> <laughs> they do, they hurt so pretty. Um, so besides Stony and Stuckoni, are there other Steve ships that you like to read? Um, I also read uh, Stucky now. I've ventured into that. Um I always thought Steve and Bucky now they're they're brothers. They can't be lovers because they're brothers. But well, um, now I read them as lovers because well, it, it also fits. Um, I think Stacconi and and the, uh, the different um, pairings thereof are still my favorite. Um, and I do read Steve sometimes um, and in different um, pairings, but it really depends on the author. So um, our friend Marie has uh, uh, suddenly had this, this craving for uh, Rhodey uh, and, um, and Steve. And she wrote a few uh, wonderful fix for me, so that was, was really good. <clears throat> but I don't think I would read them uh, by another author. And I've read some Steve and Ned and yeah. Um, not really. 
fair. I'm on a real Steve Thor kick right now. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, I oh, like yeah. Thundershield. <laughs> and that is also Marie's fault because she wrote yeah. <laughs> she wrote a Steve Thor AU at Christmas. And then um, my friend Alex from Fanish was talking about Thundershield in their rare pair episode. And I was like, it's meant to be. So I fell down that <laughs> hole a little bit. Um, but, and then I like Steve Nat in some circumstances. Yeah. Um, and I've read Steve Darcy and I've read Steve Carroll as well. Cause I, like oh. the captains. All right. Oh, I've never thought of that. Um, but then there's some that don't like, I mean, Steve and Rody doesn't work for me the same way it works for you. I love watching you and Marie like write it together though and brainstorm and flail. It's so much fun. Um, <laughs> I really liked the, the power dynamics of it because, uh, because of the Colonel and the captain. Yeah, that totally makes sense. That totally yeah. makes sense. So, so I'm, I, it, it was a, it was a thirst craving. <laughs> I'll be fair. <laughs> Let us all give in to all of our thirst cravings. Just like Thunder Shield is uh, oftentimes, I think. <laughs> oh my gosh, I just, I think it's like the idea of those particular bodies together. Yeah, so yeah. many muscles. <laughs> oh, there's just so many. Their backs alone. Mm. Um, I do, I do the- like the idea of uh, someone being even stronger than Steve. Yes, that's why, I, like, I, I don't, um, I've not read as much armor porn as you have. I don't know writing it. (laughs) um, I've not written any for sure. But like that's sometimes I like when they're with where they're with the suit because then Tony can put Steve against the wall. And sometimes I feel like he deserves to have that. Yeah. Um, So that's kind of what like kind of the thing that Thundershield or um, the captains like make sense to me, which I'm sure is part of Stucky too. But I read more Stucky AUs. Yeah. Um, I like... I, I just love AUs, although again, not a secret. Um, I read almost almost no canon adjacent stuff anymore, but that's neither no, here nor me there. Me neither. Me neither. I I I, I like AUs uh, a lot better, and I own. I think I almost only write AUs, um, but when I do write ca- ca- try to write canon, and then when I write Stucky or read Stucky, it's almost always 1940s. Okay. Yeah, and I don't I, love. I, I adore 1940s AUs yeah and you and like small small steve and 1940s au and bucky protecting him i mean that's a thing yeah oh uh, yeah um it's not really the bucky protecting him that i would i would like most that i like most it's more the idea that this 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 incredibly ill um ill-favored um ill-fortuned man with with this tenacity just goes and goes and 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 gets where he wants to be you're the i can do it all day steve yeah 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 and um a lot of people write steve like um he's just continuously fight me just picking fights for the fight of it but that's not who i what i see i see he's um it's just fighting for, for, for justice and for things he sees um, are, are right. And of course, he's really big-headed about it. <laughs> and of course, he's not always right. But I do think he does try to do the thing that looks right to him. Yeah, I think so too. Well, that's all my questions. Do you have anything else for us on Steve? Um no (laughs) when you stop asking questions suddenly my mind goes blank (laughs) 
<laughs> that's okay. That's happened. A lot of other people have said that. And then is there any fic that you're reading right now or that you've read recently that you want everybody to read? Um, I'm really terrible in, at, at reading because I have so little time uh, now. So it, 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 it usually is, um, I have to choose between reading or writing or chatting. Oh, uh, I, yeah. Um, I did find... Um, I was, I was looking for something. I did uh, go through my um, bookmark, and I found three um, uh, fix I read in the last year, which I really loved. But I'm not sure if they are below the 300 kudos rule, which you gave me. That's fine. We're just trying to spread the love for the low kudos. But tell us, I'm much more interested in what you love. So tell us what you love. Um, I loved Edges by Dirigible Plumbing which was an, um, uh, 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 a, 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 it is set in canon. Um, and I think it was post Endgame even. Okay. Um, and um, it's, um, it, 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 it's Steve going to Tony. It's, uh, it's born, by the way. <laughs> um, Obviously, yeah. <laughs> it's my first pick. Um, it's, uh, it's Steve going to Tony to... Um, well, just give himself uh, and, uh, and 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 um, to to try to make amends. Okay. And um, it's uh, it turns out he's he's accidentally uh, a sub without really noticing or or, or knowing that that uh, what he is or what he wants. And Tony and him are just uh, beautiful in it together. And and it's it's a really really uh, it's really hot, but it's also really beautiful. Uh, the way they they wrote it so i would recommend that and i really love the history of birds by oddity bodity uh, which is a stocky fic where um bucky uh comes back and doesn't believe steve is really steve so um and it's really uh, it's really almost minimalistic the way they write the scenes so um and, and it feels really empty like how it would feel to Bucky I think and um, it is Bucky centric but um, but but the way uh, Steve is written in there I just I just liked it a lot it's really it hurt a lot that fic um, and hurt is always good right <laughs> you do you do love hurt comfort yes <laughs> yeah, I do yeah um, and um, there was another fic which is Bridge Over Troubled Waters by Forkogison I hope I pronounced it right we never pronounce um, anyone's handles right don't worry about it okay <laughs> well Bill you can't go wrong with you Bill. did a, you did do us a great <laughs> favor on that one but <laughs> when we're reading some of these other ones I just go oh. I hope not <laughs> offensive, yeah. Um, and that was uh, another stony fake. And um, also, um, I like the first one. And, um, uh, oh, what you call it? Um, I lost the word for when the... Like a fix uh, it? Yeah, fix it. Thank you. Thank You're you. welcome. Yeah, fix it. And... Um, I'm, I'm, I can't really say why I liked it so much, but I, I liked it uh, enough to have it open in my tab and just read it uh, from time and time and again. So it just uh, the, the, it flows really well. And yeah, I liked it a lot. I mean, that's really the judge of why you recommend a fic. Like, I like this. I think you might too. 
that's it. Like that's yeah. what it really comes down to. Yep. Sometimes she, I, I read, uh, I read someone's fic, and I think, oh, this is this is what I want to be able to do when I grow up. This is how I want to be able to write. And and the the bridge over troubled waters was one of those. Oh, I love that feeling. I also yeah. hate that feeling because I like shut my laptop for four days and don't look at it. But yes, I love yeah. that feeling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I also go for cheer readers. <laughs> please. Yeah, I need exactly. validation. I need more validation. More yelling at me, please. <laughs> well, the beautiful thing about our fandom is that there's never a shortage of those. So. Um, yes, it's really, it's really welcoming. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone just wants more love for these pretty suffering idiots so yeah. as long as you're on yeah. board with that we want to we want to know you yeah i i know other people have had other experiences but my three and somewhat years in fandom have been nothing but positive that's so good to hear because yeah we have definitely heard some stories and i think we'll probably end up talking about some of the more negative stuff at some point on the pod and kind of how to navigate that if something really goes pear-shaped um mm-hmm. but i mean in my like under a year i hit my my year anniversary um as you listen to this listeners i will have already had my year anniversary of publishing my very first fic so i'm still very 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 new um and i've had a your very your very very first fic in any fandom no my very first fic in any fandom i was the tender age of 13. oh wow <laughs> um, yeah and i wrote joey and pacey from dawson's creek um ah. But no, my first published Marvel fandom was May 5th of 2019. Mm-hmm. So you're almost there for I'm our- almost there as we we're talking. Yeah. Yep, it's going to yeah. be next week and I'm deciding how I'm going to celebrate it. I think probably a fluffy kid fic because that's my brand. Um, ah, I love it, yeah. We'll see. I'm, I'm trying to think of a way to celebrate my 100, 100th fic on the, the archive. Oh, yes, it should involve armor porn. It should. Yeah. Well, luckily I'm writing three, no, four of those at yes. the same time. So <laughs> people are grateful. Oh. Well, that that's a great pause point there, Bill. Thank you so much for talking to me. Um, this was such a great conversation and thank you. Um, I hope we have you back sometime. Yes. Thank you. I liked it a lot. A lot of superhero stories are about transformation, and Steve Rogers is no different. His entire arc banks on this massive change he goes through, and there's extreme physical evidence to remind us of how much he's changed. I think it's really interesting to look at what changes we see in pre-serum and post-serum Steve, and how then we as fandom reflect that in fix. The first thing we see of Steve in the movies is his determination, but also his frustration. And I think that that's that there's a shift, a definite shift from the beginning of his story to the end of his story from anger to sadness that I feel like fundamentally underlines his his process. There's also a real shift in his bangs. <laughs> don't talk enough about the floppy bangs. Oh, the way the he really like brushes. weird like over gelled situation we all had to live through in Endgame. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> The, they make a thing out of him brushing them aside in TFA when he's little. I know. I wish they had kept that. Yeah, but then they get too short and it grows out long. And It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. So what do you mean by, like, what, what do you mean by kind of anger and frustration to, like, 
I mean, obviously, one of the very first things we see about him is Bucky having to rescue him in an alley. Yeah. And then at the end, of course, we kind of see him as this leader and that's the whole thing throughout it. And so that's one of his journeys as well from, you know, from being somebody who was an army of one to being the leader of a, of a much larger army. So, but what do you mean when you say that, the determination, frustration, and his journey? Well, I kind of see Steve's story as being almost an allegory for growing up, like not just, we sort of talked about Peter being representative of adolescence um, in the Kid Fic episode and how that it kind of encapsulates a, a, a moment and experience. But for Steve, we sort of see a whole arc that I think can fit quite well with the change in, in an emotional connection to faith and passion and conviction that a lot of people go through as they, as they develop and as they get older. So we see us in small Steve, he, he's determined, he's frustrated by his limitations. Um, and he's got a lot of anger. And some of that anger is from feeling like he's being prevent, prevented from being what he wants to be because of his size or his health, or, you know, we can extend that to, how a child is frustrated that they can't vote yet, they don't have a say, that kind of thing. And Steve goes through this development process and it isn't just the serum that changes things for him, but the ice as well. And when we see him several movies down the line, I think he has developed a nuance a sense of nuance and an understanding of the complexity of the things that he wants to accomplish that draw that shift from that sort of fierce determination to a more, a more complex sadness, a weariness in later movies. I mean, I always think of, of Steve Rogers as a man who exists in grief. Yeah. And, he understands and i think we write him a lot as that so like if we just kind of take that for a minute and think about how we write small steve in canon o- often he's with bucky obviously because that's canon but it's it's much more of a spitfire yeah um much more you know a lot of a lot of wartime stucky fix have a lot of the social justice element obviously um and a lot of i mean a one of the major themes in the fix that I read anyway, and I'm sure there's others that don't do this, but like Bucky has to protect him in a certain way because Steve's like, (laughs) yeah, Steve's about to die in an alley, either from an, either from early onset emphysema or somebody's (laughs) fists. Um, And that, you know, and that Steve rescues Bucky right back just emotionally in a different way. Yeah. But that kind of just spitfire like he's about he's a powder keg about to explode at any given moment and then i think there's a period like we don't really get it in tfa like you and i were talking off offline a little bit about how we really wish that we would have spent a little bit more time between serum and ice yeah i want more of what that was like yeah um and even like ice between ice and the and the like chitari like i want more of that first year too yeah that we ever got and kind of what those first couple weeks and what does that all mean and how does that all work like? Because, you know, the, the idea that Steve Rogers has PTSD, like we are not the first people to say that. (laughs) Like we're not smart (laughs) in that way. Like that's really obvious. Um, 
but he just like he's power like i don't know i just think of him as resigned to adulthood yeah i'm it's the thing you say about bucky protecting him i think also is when he's when he's young and small and inexperienced and also inundated in the black white propaganda of the time and about america he he thinks that you know his his desire his passion is to protect people and he thinks that at that point that protecting people is as simple as standing between the bullet and the victim and that he can be that person in the middle even if it means sacrificing himself but what he starts to learn when he's older and seeing the other Avengers and having a relationship, I mean, you know, a relationship as much as we want it to be more, you know what I mean by that, with yeah. Tony in canon. Um, and also being part of an organization like S.H.I.E.L.D. and seeing and being let down by that, the grief he goes through and the very specific grief of losing someone the way he lost Peggy instead of losing someone the way he lost his parents or his mother at least is I think the shift that we see him go through is realizing that it's not as simple as he was driven by when he was younger and also that protecting people is a lot more and it's a lot more complex than just standing between them and the bullet and that the sacrifice you end up making is often a lot more difficult than just being willing to be shot. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I mean, we're recording this the week that Hamilton starts streaming. And so it's not even, it's not abnormal for me to compare everything to Hamilton. <laughs> but in particular, I've been thinking a lot about, about Hamilton. And for me, if I was ever gonna do a Hamilton AU, for me, like Hamilton is Steve. Right. Um, and this this desperate guy who wrote in in the in Hamilton in Alexander Hamilton's life, he was orphaned and he wrote his way from an impoverished Caribbean island to the United States and became a major player in American history. And Steve was an impoverished orphan <laughs> who <laughs> committed fraud and some crimes and um and change the world in, in his fictional setting. But when I think about those, like you mentioned the black and white propaganda, I don't think we can separate those things. Like, so when we meet Steve Rogers, he's an orphan who has found family in Bucky and his, this emotional identity and the idea of being a soldier, like you said, standing between the bullet and the person. And in the 1930s, that was between the Nazis and the rest of the United States. And it was that it was that clear cut for a lot of people. And I think that's why it's so significant when Erskine says to Steve that Steve is a good man. I literally don't think he ever considered what a good man would be and mm-hmm. that he would be one. Because a good man in the 1940s, 1930s, 1920s, it's so culturally, it's so caught up in providing. Mm. it's caught up in working it's caught up in physical strength it's caught up in heteronormativity and then by the time we get into tfa it's caught up in going to war so how could he be a good man if he wasn't any of those things and so then you know he meets all he meets phillips and he meets erskine and he meets all these other people and i'm sure he knew dudes in the tenements and like all that i'm not trying to say that he was this in a bubble um but I have a feeling, I mean, this is part of the adolescent id. 
like as you grow up and you start to see yourself and other people and other people and yourself, you, you kind of go with that. Yeah. But then he wakes up. Um, and oh, I should say this. I think that idea of the cultural trappings of a good man is one of the reasons that Peggy is so attractive to him. Um, I firmly believe that obviously that he and Bucky fucked in a tent um, all throughout the war. And in the, I mean, like, ofs. Um, but if we're just talking about canon, I think he's particularly attracted to Peggy Carter because she is not only the only woman in TFA, because God forbid we cast women in superhero movies, but mm. she represents the cultural norm of exactly what a good man would look like. Yeah. And he knows how to be that. So then he wakes up in 2012. Not only have we, as the United States, pretty much punched holes in propaganda and figured out that everything's pretty complicated whether we realize it or not but he's woken up and there's twitter now and we've been in iraq in a war that you know is potentially illegal and people potentially you know are going to go on trial for war crimes like all of this is really complicated and then he meets fury and clint and tony and thor and all of these other men who continue to complicate what manhood is for him yeah if we if we look at if we take that moment of the transformation from the serum and somewhat equate it to puberty or you know the he gets he gets the thing he was lacking before he now has the freedom of being healthy and strong and yep. physically what he felt was holding him back before and much in the way that a child released into the world at 18 suddenly is you know they have financial freedom they have they can buy they can go to the grocery store at 2am and buy a cake if they want and the like depressing truth of adulthood is learning that the things you thought would be easier some of them may be easier but the number of new things you have that are harder <laughs> it yeah. certainly doesn't outweigh it and i think that we there's you know there's a parallel there too for Steve watching him discover that he he has this new strength and this new opportunity and a new voice and it's not as easy as it felt like it would be. Yeah, like he finally got everything he thought he was supposed to have and it would be fine and now, oh shit. Because it's actually the case that, that those kinds of things we crave let us see behind the curtains that prove that nothing is that simple yeah like I remember when I was younger thinking that it like I wanted a job where I would have like a key to the building or yeah, like yeah. I want it to be that important right like I wanted I wanted that kind of responsibility and now I own the company I have the key to the building and there's a lot of days I'd give it up oh yeah I know same <laughs> like with me. in a heartbeat I know you feel the same way where it's like yeah. I really would love a day where like I someone else makes decisions for me yeah because it just gets overwhelming. And I think when we, we see the arc of the MCU in particular, and I can't speak to the comics at all, as we all know. Um, so when we're talking canon, obviously in this one, we're obviously just talking MCU because I can't follow you into ults. I mean, it's um, also interesting, just as a side note, that in the MCU, they made him small, like short and n narrow. Um, like small overall and in 616 and alts and presumably a lot of the other comic canons he's like he's still ill but he's very tall and gangly he's kind of like a beanpole type body type 
So he doesn't get taller from the serum. He just like gains muscle mass and then it, it fixes his health problems. And it's curious that the MCU decided to make him petite. He's snack sized. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we'll put a pin in that because I want to talk about how we talk about that in AUs for a minute. But, but before okay. we lose, um, before we lose like canon fix and how we treat him in canon. Yeah. Um, I think it's really an important element that we deal with this idea that he is existing in waves of grief. Yeah. Like you said, like he loses, like losing Peggy, the way he loses him, the way he loses her is so completely different than burying a peer yet Peggy is a peer yet. Like, I just think of how many little grief, like griefs, goes through on a daily basis in the first couple movies yeah and i think that like obviously she's his ex-partner and not a parent but like the way that he loses her is similar to the way that a lot of us start to lose our parents when we push past 30 35 yeah and it's like he's had to say goodbye to her many many times and that feeling of you know, I mean, they call Alzheimer's the long goodbye. And I think that even with a parent who doesn't have some version of dementia, that's still, when you see them aging and failing, it feels like the beginning of that long goodbye. And I think that he has to have that relationship with the grief that he has for losing her. Whereas the sudden loss of someone is a, is a different, it's an entirely different grieving process. Yeah. And I, so one of the things obviously we can do in fic is explore all these things that the MCU didn't explore. Like, was it weird for him to be in a team all of a sudden with the Avengers when the last team he was with was with the Howleys? Um, you know, how does he feel about, about like plentiful running water? These are, these are questions. <laughs> Microwaves. Um, I love a good Steve versus a microwave fic. <laughs> I, lo- I love Steve Rogers versus the 21st century. Not because I think he's an idiot. I don't love the ones where he's like a total Muppet at it all. Yeah. But I do really love the like moment of, shit, what's TikTok? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excuse me? One of my favorite times I explored that was I had them watching Star Trek and then he decided to use his own microwave for the first time. And like he'd just been watching Star Trek and they were all kind of like, yeah, it was how they thought the future would be. So he's kind of like, Okay, like he, how much of that is he is he absorbing and processing and trying to strategize with? So he sees the popcorn button on the microwave and thinks that perhaps it makes popcorn appear inside nice. it. Like it that should. seems like a fairly logical conclusion yep. to make. Yep. So he just like sort of pushes the button to see what happens. And Jarvis is like, he probably shouldn't run that when he's at, when it's empty. And he's like, oh yeah, and, you know, I was just like, you know, <laughs> sure, I knew that. Why do that, Jarvis? I totally. Yeah, I wasn't that. expecting popcorn to appear. I just, you know. I just goofing around. (laughs) Yeah. I know. And then, of course, he doesn't just land in a house. He lands in Tony's house. Tony Stark's house. I know. Good Lord. I mean, I just, my, like, I just wrote a fic um, very recently where um, Steve is fighting with all of the smart technology that doesn't actually make anything easier. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, I just want to do an oven. And Tony's like, well, you talk to it and you tell it. And Steve's like, can I just turn a dial? Like, please, can I just turn a dial? Why are we here? Yeah. So those fix are all really fun. And I love fix. 
both Stucky and Stuckoni and 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 all iterations. I love Nat and I love Sam and Steve Fix that talk about this, where canon adjacent and canon stories give Steve room to breathe that grief. Yeah, and as much as I love a good 2012 fluff fest like the like the rest of us, I really love ones where we the author allows him to sit in that it's not a joke that I don't know what to do. This is really shitty and kind of weird. Yeah. And this is hard and awkward and also joyful. And like, yeah, I think penicillin's a really great thing, but like also all your bananas taste wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's, and I uh... don't know what to do with this cross cultural different thing. Um, this different thing but then go oh sorry go ahead oh, i was just gonna say like he didn't move places he's exactly where he was and it, it's like some of the most brutal culture shock to have to yeah. adjust like you know he's still in new york but this is not his new york yeah it's like the worst coming of age story where you have to go back home it's like the worst hallmark movie where like you have to move back oh, home yeah. because the um the christmas tree farm is about to go under yeah he you know all that but because it is fandom we really do love shoving him in non-canon situations as well and it's like we've got so much flexibility with steve because there's so many different steves that we can choose from to put in au's and i mean i i fucking love putting him in as small steve i do too we just in fact had a small steve bingo event on the pot server that we'll make sure to link to the collection in the show notes mm -hmm. um where I got to write small Steve as a kindergarten teacher who was small in like, he was petite in stature, but not in personality. <laughs> um, and then I've also written him recently as like that bean pole that you talk about oh, him yeah. from the comics. Um, I think in fact, one of the, like when Tony's yelling at him, he calls him an obtuse string bean. <laughs> but I also love in AUs where people still kind of like, sure he's not maybe he doesn't have asthma but they keep that he has hearing problems or like oh i did never get a serum i just grew up and i grew out of my childhood asthma yeah. but i still really i'm still completely colorblind and i need coke bottle glasses like i really love those kind of fix like i love fix in which steve doesn't look like he's on he's in the serum as much as i love serum fix too we I also like the changes in medicine mean that some of like because you know he was really sick <laughs> Yeah. And the changes in medicine let us kind of like fiddle with how sick we want him to be in an AU. <laughs> so yeah. there's like yeah. some freedom yeah. to play there. Yeah. Like I, I don't remember this, but I went like where I found it. So don't ask me to link to it, but like a couple fix where he had diabetes and that was really fascinating mm. and how that was handled in the 1920s and thirties versus the 19, the 2010s and everything else. So, but yeah, I love putting him in things. Obviously we both write AUs either as much or more than canon depending on the season we're in our writing schedules yeah. <laughs> but i mean i write mostly au's these days i think I, yeah i i oscillate wildly so all my au's feel like they're canon based anyway because i always try and pick and pull as much as i can so i find yeah. myself re-watching the movies for little tidbits more often with au's than with anything else well, that's fascinating. Yeah, I I famously do not rewatch the movies all that often, so I just create I keep the scripts open a lot and I I will I will search for certain words in the scripts to like find places where things happened and like quote things accurately and drop in little tidbits that are like 
one line from the movie put in an AU to like remind people that it's a Marvel fic. I don't know. I like to make mine as hard to file the serial numbers off as possible so that I could never ever make money writing. That's my goal. Okay. <laughs> it's working out real good for me. Whatever you need to do, dear. But I think Ugh. when we think about the differences, like I was just thinking about our two most recent long fics that we both published and how different the Steves are in them. Right. So your most recent long fic, as we're recording this, is Two Point Perspective. Yep. And mine is While You Were Sleeping. And mine has Steve, who is not, I mean, he's just an adult male built like Evans without the captain diet. Like, just built like Evans in Defending Jacob. Um, And he's got his shit together. Yeah. And, like, life has been really hard for him. And he has, I mean, I have him as a, it's a, it's a crossover with Knives Out. So he's also a functional orphan because he left that family. Um, but he's got his shit together and he found family and it's all great. And Two Point Perspective is completely different. Yeah, he's tiny, Omega Steve with health issues, absolute poverty, no agency or control over his life whatsoever. He's very angry and he's very frustrated and does not trust the world to ever give him nice things. And yeah. I, the, the cool thing about Steve's arc is that those are both valid canon Steves that we can have because that's the development that he's gone through. Yeah, and it's a little bit different than Tony or even Bucky, um, who are the other two characters that we write primarily. Yeah. Tony is very, like, he was a wild child and then he went to Afghanistan and whatever. Like, the arc, we all kind of pick different places and usually if he's you know Tony's always had heart surgery of some fashion or he has the arc reactor or like we we all as writers kind of pull from the whole of Tony's arc or the like way more than we pull from the whole of Steve's like we we tend to pull chunks of Steve's like Tony is the sum of his parts and Steve we choose parts correct that's a much more eloquent way to say what I was stumbling through good job (laughs) thanks So, I'm here to summarize for you, except I will not write summaries for your fix. Sorry. <laughs> no, I write summaries for our fix. That's how this yeah. goes. <laughs> uh, so it's it's fascinating that he's so disparate in some ways. And it's, of course, we do that with Bucky because of the trauma. So it's a trauma conversation that's completely different than Tony's, which is also fascinating to me. Yeah, yeah. Because it's not like, yeah, they've 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 each got their traumas. But yeah, Steve really has these like divider lines these real and I think even if we look at Tony like pre-Afghanistan and post-Afghanistan it's not you know it's 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 not as severe a bookend as it is for Steve no because he's dying from palladium poisoning and still being an idiot yeah like there's all these these carry-throughs he really not to say he doesn't learn from anything but like his growth feels more his growth, I, to a certain extent, too, if we're going to talk about the adolescent, the adolescent kind of thing, when we meet Tony, yeah. he's he's been through puberty. Very much an adult, yeah. He's an adult. He's an adult asshole, but he's an adult. Um, I don't think Tony's ever an asshole. I'm just, but he's never <laughs> that kind of like walking id. Yeah, and and yeah, Steve, Steve's very concentrated when he's small. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a big. Yeah, I mean, even just like, I think Tony's agency over his decision to transform into Iron Man 
and it, the way it's a part of him, but it's not always a part of him. Like he's got, he's even got choices about the arc reactor and he eventually chooses to take it out and that kind of thing. And Steve doesn't really have the context to consent to what happens to him. Like, no, oh my gosh, no. (laughs) So, and you know, he's got the, he's, he's been, it's been driven into him that, that this is what he has to do to be a good person. And so everything that's, that are his big bookend moments seem to be very much things that happened to him. And I mean, I guess you could say in some ways he had agency over the ice, but even still he expected to die. He was committing suicide. He was not time traveling. (laughs) Yeah. So that, you know, even his martyrdom is taken away from him. (laughs) Yeah. It's like that deleted scene from Endgame where Rhodey's like, why didn't you just jump out of the plane? Which is a question I think we've all asked at different points, but the answer is that he didn't want to survive. Like he was quite fine being done. Yeah, yeah had- and I think the truth is, I think if he jumped out of plane, landed in the fucking ocean, he probably would have gone through exactly the same thing. Yeah, but yeah, and I mean that's again, it's like it's the serum that saves him. And while we could say technically he had a choice to do that, he he didn't understand. Nobody understood what the serum was actually going to change. No one was like, oh, by the way, if you crash a plane into the Atlantic Ocean, you'll be you know healthily frozen for seventy years. Like that wasn't one of the things they tested before they gave him the serum. So he, whereas Tony, you know, he 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 builds his new body piece by piece, and I think that is a fundamental part. Like it's not just a reflection of the story that. Marvel is telling us, but when we approach them as characters we're trying to recreate, it's a really fundamental difference between how they relate to the world and, and their superhero-ness. Yeah. And just a little side helping of math here. <laughs> um, I, did, I had a peek because I was curious uh, to see how popular small serum, small serum, I've been saying that all day, pre-serum Steve is. Um, if we look in the Steve Tony tag, which has 36,000 works, almost 37,000 works overall, there are 642 that are tagged pre-Serum Steve. And that canonical tag is going to contain small Steve as well. I'm fairly sure. So that's actually like, I would say that that's a fairly small amount in the Stony fandom, not a super hugely popular amount. It's less than the number of BDSM AUs we found, if I recall correctly. I think that was in the 800s. Oh, yeah, it was closer to nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure in the Stucky fandom, it's a whole different ballgame. Yeah, so in MCU tag as a whole, we have 6,341 that are tagged pre-serum Steve. And in the Stucky, Stucky specifically, we have 5,135. Well, we see where that goes. <laughs> so the vast majority of pre-serum Steve fics are written for Stucky, or at least fics that are tagged Stucky and may also have other tags but we also have a wild yeah. tony in there yeah well yeah but if they were tagged stony they'd appear in the other one too so that's true yeah are. it's it's you know it's a solid 10 times as many so i think i mean i obviously a big part of that is that quite literally small steve and bucky have contact <laughs> yeah which is not the case and so in order to put tony and small steve together you either need to be in an au or you have to do something to make that happen uh, i have seen um i'll link to this art if i can find it uh really cool au where and i don't know you know there's there's recently been either spawned from that or um also inspired by the idea the idea of steve getting the serum and it giving him all of his super skills, like he's got the strength and the speed and the agility and all of that, 
um, and it solves his health problems, but it doesn't change the way he physically appears to other people. So he's still small Steve in appearance, but he has that strength. So it is more like a magical strength. Is it Copper Badge wrote like tiny? Um, yeah, Copper Badge wrote like the tiny spy assassin Steve and stuff like that. Um, but this is an art series where the artist has recreated scenes from the MCU, but drawn them with small Steve doing the same things that big Steve did in the movies. So there's like the helicopter scene, but it's small Steve, but he's still holding back a helicopter, that kind of thing. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's a Stucky twist to it. Um, But yeah, I'll dig that up and I'll put that in the show notes because I think that art is really cool. And I think that concept is really cool and one that could lead to more pre-serum stony fix maybe. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But, and I, people have definitely explored it a couple of times, but um, that art really spoke to me and I think it's a really cool idea. Yeah. In the same way that I love this, like one of the ideas floating around that Steve wore the gauntlet in Endgame and it, and the serum was drained. And so he becomes small uh, Steve as they, as he and Tony live happily ever after. Yeah. Yeah. I like the idea of like, I mean, in Guardians of the Galaxy, they set us up for the idea that the power of a power stone can be shared and like distributed amongst people and therefore diluted for each person. Yeah. So this idea that if they both held the glove, Steve might have lost some of his superpowers and Tony might have, you know, maybe lost the use of his arm or something. But all in all, by sharing it, they could uh, they could win. That's another canon divergence I like to see. <laughs> yeah. And another rant we can go on for another day. <laughs> yeah. Well. I, think, I think what is so fascinating about our Steve as we celebrate his very birthday as uh, you all listen to this, it will be the day after he will be 104 years old. But the beauty of Steve Rogers is that even though he is this elastic character that is driven by different things at different times, fundamentally, throughout all the iterations of him, he wants to do his best. And he has a, a... for better or worse. And in certainly in Stony Fix, we play a lot with his kind of pining and martyrdom. And I think we do in Stucky as well. And I think in Sam Steve, we see this um, some somewhat as well. And I don't read as many other Steve ships than those three. But this idea that he just wants to do his best and he just wants to be good. And there's a real beauty and purity in that, that is one of the reasons that he serves as such a good foil to so many other characters in comics. So the best way I think that we know how to say happy birthday to him is not only with this past conversation, but now we're going to turn over a little bit of time to hear what you all love about Steve so that we can continue celebrating our very, very favorite Stephen G. Rogers. like we did for Tony's birthday, we asked you all about why you loved Steve and loved the ships you have him in as well. Now that Flame and I have talked at length about ours, we asked friend of the pod, Alex Jameson, you may remember her from episode four on Podfix, to read your answers. From Kokuria, the appeal of Steve, to me, is that he's sort of a Cinderella story. If Cinderella grew to be a six foot two inch brick house and went on to kill Nazis with a metal frisbee. Seriously. He's this underdog, constantly battling his own body, 
The world is out to get him, whether you headcanon him to be queer or not. And then along comes the fairy god Dr. Erskine and uses a magic potion to solve all of his problems. It's an appealing idea for just about any adult, but it has an added meaning for me as a person with chronic health problems. Somebody coming and fixing your body, making you into this virtual paragon of perfection? Isn't that an absolute dream? Stucky. Well, that combines the appeal of Steve with the exactly inverted storyline of Bucky, the boy who had everything and got destroyed by becoming an adult. They mirror each other perfectly, Steve's star rising as Bucky's falls. Then there's the absolutely mouth-watering flavor of them being destined for each other. Cradle to grave, soulmates, whatever you want to call it. The sentiment that in every verse, be it canon or even the most out-there AU, they're going to end up together somehow like two lines on a collision course. Inevitable. I really like what Co had to say about Stucky, how Steve's star rises as Bucky's falls. I like this idea that they fill gaps for each other at different points in their lives and kind of they're different sorts of support for each other, but they're always support for each other, even though they have this kind of like, this <laughs> frankly hellish journey that feels sort of unsupportable. They can still be that for each other. That really appeals to me. Yeah, and the idea that they are inevitable. Um, yeah. I like, like, I had canon them as soulmates in all of my fics, whether it's platonic or romantic. Yeah, they are in intrinsically entwined, um, and I see that too. And I also love that she called Erskine fairy god doctor. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's yes, I, I agree with a lot of what she says about Steve too. Like, the Cinderella story is an interesting way to say it. Um, I think because like for me, like if Cinderella ended with PTSD, it would work. (laughs) (laughs) But I totally get what Ko's trying to say. Totally get it. There's kind of this like, I mean, it also sort of underlines this idea that, um, you know, just because things appear to have all been fixed and we never find out if Cinderella has a good relationship with the prince. That's entirely true. He could be an abusive son of a bitch. So just because everything looks beautiful and is glittery and, and, and shiny and expensive doesn't, you know, or has, you know, pecs you could eat off of doesn't necessarily mean there aren't stormy waters underneath. So maybe it's not that inaccurate. Oh, maybe it's not de- getting deep here on pot on the suit. <laughs> I have my moments. <laughs> that was all great points, Co. Thank you. From Nacho Diablo. Starting from that first on your left, it's clear that Sam and Steve have a spark. Sam sees Steve Rogers, but he respects the shield as well, which is part of why it's his now. Sam is one of the first people Steve trusts, and throughout his story, they're nearly inseparable. They choose each other, true partners in every sense of the word. They lean on each other, sharing a mutual respect, though they're not afraid to raise questions either. When they first meet, Steve's world is unsteady, and Sam's grown restless. Throughout their relationship, they bring out the best in each other. Neither are perfect, but both are good men, and they're at their best together. Home is home, Sam tells Steve, and that's a fitting declaration for these domestic battle husbands. I love this, what from from what Nacho says, um, because I'm new to the Sam Steve ship, and I'll just flat out say Nacho is why I'm in the Sam Steve ship reading uh, reading fix they wrote. Um, But this idea of choice, I mean, Choice is huge to me. It's why I ship Steve and Tony is choice um, and the continual choice of each other over and over again. 
And I like this idea that they are at a really specific crossroads in both of their careers. And I had never thought about that before. Like mm. Sam's looking for a new start and so is Steve because he just doesn't know what's happening when we meet Sam and Winter Soldier. And Nacho uses the phrase domestic battle husbands. Yeah. <laughs> which is, I think, perfect for them. It, that really, really fits. They're never going to be my main ship. But with this way of the argument leading, I 100% understand why they are for other people. I, well, first of all, I think they have like one of the best meet cutes ever. The running yeah. thing just kills me every time. I adore it. Um, and the home is home sort of hit me just now because I was thinking about Steve kind of makes his home in people, I think, maybe even in a way that he doesn't really recognize in himself. But you see like a, a recurring motif for him that home for him is is certain people. And it's not just one person and, and some people are more home to him than others at different times. I think that's part of why um, his like nomad ship was especially hard for him, not just because he wasn't home physically, but because he was disconnected from a lot of the people that were home to him. So I like this idea that Sam has, has this connection to this idea of home as well. And he understands what Steve's talking about when he's looking for home in AOU. I think that's fascinating. Yeah, this, the idea that home is people, I've never connected that dot, but I think, and I agree with you that Steve hasn't either. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But I think, yeah, that it's a, a nail on the head. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think Sam's one of the really, one of the strongest home people for him. Mm -hmm. So Agreed. yeah, I, re I really like that one. Thank you, Nacho. From We Three Quarter. It's funny, but in the beginning, Steve wasn't a character I really connected with, not like Tony. But I think that's because it's easy to look at Steve and only see Captain America. But then I wrote almost 30k of angst from Steve's POV and I fell in love with him. Now he's my favorite dumbass with a shield. Something I think gets overlooked a lot is Steve's intelligence. Too often, I see Steve being written off as dumb, and it always makes me sad. Steve might not be a genius in the way Tony is, but I think he's just as smart, just in a different way. He might not have a very good sense of self-preservation at times, but smart Steve is a hill I will gladly fight on. While Steve and Tony is my main ship, I want to share another ship I love because I'm pretty sure I'm the only person shipping it. Steve and Daniel Souza. They never meet on screen, but I started thinking about it and now I can't stop thinking about it. Whether it's in an alternate universe where Peggy jumps onto the Valkyrie instead of Steve, or an AU where they don't have powers, I love the idea of Steve and Daniel as a couple. They have a lot of similar and shared experiences, and in many ways they mirror each other. Steve was born with health problems which limited him, then the war and the serum happened, and he no longer had those problems. Whereas Daniel was born healthy, then the war happened, and now he's fighting against his body. They have a shared trauma surviving the war, and if you're looking for an OT3, they're both attracted to beautiful, badass women. I'm always looking for more people to jump aboard the Steve Daniel, or Stuza, ship with me. Mostly, I just want Steve to be happy, because after everything he's been through, the boy deserves a break. Happy birthday, Steve. Okay, I found this super interesting. I think, um... I mean, I haven't, I've seen some of Agent Carter, but not all of it. For anyone who, who doesn't know, Daniel Souza is a character from Agent Carter. He's a long running character and also her love interest for a good portion of the show. And many people believe, though it hasn't been expressly said in canon 
there's no official word, or at least there's conflicting official word about whether she married Daniel Souza, and that was her husband she was talking about when Steve goes to visit her at the nursing home, or if that husband was Steve and it was all the same timeline. We don't actually have an answer for that, but many people believe that <laughs> in how in in a world where Steve doesn't go back in time, that Peggy married Daniel Souza. So that's who he is, <laughs> and I, yeah, I mean for I. Talk about rare pair, so <laughs> good on you for uh, good job. Yeah, paddling that cool noodle by yourself. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that that I find that fascinating. I mean, I I uh, now I wish I knew him better so that I could have more of an opinion. But I mean, also like just uh, yeah, my official my first thought when I was listening to this was obviously like oh well you know. Squish Peggy in the middle there. Why not? <laughs> yeah, like oh look, there's a new OT three that OT3 I didn't see four, coming. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. It makes me want to watch the rest of the show. Yeah, I didn't watch any of it because it was on while I was like PhD writing, yeah. and scripted television was not part of my life in that season. Uh, I watched a whole lot of British reality TV instead. Um, <laughs> I have a lot of strong feelings and uh, about Come Dine with Me. Um, not Love Island. <laughs> no, because this is before Love Island. Before, oh, trust I me, I would have had very that. strong feelings about Love Island. <laughs> I watched a lot of X Factor and Come oh, Dine Lord. with Me. Wow, I know, okay. it was a bad time. It was also beautiful. Anyway, I've never seen any of the show. This definitely makes me want to go back and watch it. Not, I mean, all, like all of the Haley Atwell gifts and how much fun it looked like they were having on set also yeah. obviously does. She's but what amazing. I, I want to react to a little bit, I think, is like her point that St uh, Steve is smart. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, like we respect him as this like almost master strategist and having strategy means you know things. <laughs> like, yeah, you cannot be a leader and be an idiot to be completely frank. And the way that he is, like, of course he's not dumb. And I don't like... I mean, when I call him a golden retriever, I mean it for the loyalty and the earnestness, not for like following somebody blindly like a puppy. And so I, and retrievers are smart. They are. In my experience, confirmation, animal. Well, they, they have a particular kind of smartness. So I, and actually that, that's my point with Steve. I think that there's a difference between intelligence and knowledge and his life experience actually gives him fairly limited knowledge, limited exposure to a lot of things, especially sleeping through 70 years of it. <laughs> yeah. um, he's got a lot to catch up on. And I think the lack of knowledge can sometimes be twisted up with assuming a lack of intelligence. And that's something that you can play with in a story. You can have other characters assume that he's not intelligent because of knowledge he doesn't have. But just because he doesn't know how a microwave works doesn't mean that, you know, he can't plan a battle or you know he has he he was able to re remember where all of the hydra bases were on a map he saw for three seconds yes. so there's a lot going on in his brain and i think that the contrast between his type of intelligence and tony's type of intelligence and the fact that neither of them really has any emotional intelligence at all oh is God, like one of them god love them that's a fun thing to play with so yeah i think yeah. there's a lot there so yeah, thank you so much, We Three Quarter. This was very, very rich um, and a lovely tribute to Steve. And as for me, well, it was a journey in a few parts. I started off hating Captain America. I 
thought it was that he was boring, um, some kind of ridiculous old-timey fantasy, nothing at all related to um, anything that I could identify with. The, the gee whiz and the willikers and, yeah, I know he never said that stuff, but you know what I'm saying. I just thought he was yawn-worthy. Like, why are we watching this? This is ridiculous. I remember walking out of the first Avenger like, oh my God, that's so stupid. So the second part of the journey is clearly, am I that asshole? And yes, the answer is yes. <laughs> A huge yes. <laughs> I realized, um, fortunately, I realized on the way to my um, my own hashtag, my debilitating cap kink. <laughs> but separate from that, I realized that Jack Kirby and Joe Simon, two Jews, wrote Captain Steve Rogers' Captain America as aspirational in the very best way, in the very most anti-ridiculous, um, cookie-cutter, dumb way, in a nuanced way of the things that we ought to be striving for. Um, sacrificing for others and um, sticking up for the little guy and being willing to give up your life for the greater good. Nothing wrong there, right? So, happy birthday, Steve Rogers, my favorite Avenger for so many reasons. Thank you. I mean, that happy birthday, Steve Rogers, is very Marilyn Monroe there, Alex. So <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for putting me in that vibe. Um, I, I love the confession because- Okay, no, I'm sorry. You can't say that and then me not immediately imagine like a AU or Tony singing happy birthday, Captain America in a particular dress. So excuse oh, well, me. Fantastic. I'm writing that now. Great. Um, no problem. That'll be- You're your, welcome, universe. <laughs> You're welcome, universe. This is now going to exist. Um, Coming out of a cake? Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, so I came out of the first Avenger not particularly loving Steve the way I do now either. I just felt really fucking sorry for him. <laughs> like, mm. this poor dude, like, couldn't catch a break. Um, he loses his best friend and his girl just trying to be a good dude. And then I didn't really think about him again for a little while. Um, and so I resonated with what Alex said in that way too, but I really like what she said about, about the creators who were, you know, we, we, you and I talked a couple minutes ago in the pod about what the 1930s and 40s and were for men. Mm -hmm. And I mean, Jewish comic creators would have been on the outside of a lot of that in, the, in that time too. And a lot of America was unaccessible to them in some ways. And so to create this man who was unaccept, who also had issues with being with able to access the American dream and then say like, right, but he was a good man, not the best soldier, but he's a good man and kind of communicating to kids all over the place. It's what you have inside that allows you to access this mm -hmm. is a really, really subversive in a way and lovely way to think about cap. Um, mm -hmm. And I mean, I just, I like, for anyone who's not on Twitter, Alex's hashtag, uh, my debilitating cap kink is a whole lot more about, <laughs> about 
Cap's physicality? <laughs> well, we're not lacking there either. Uh, yeah. Uh, a man I'm, with a message and an ass you could bounce a quarter off of? Okay. I mean, why not? Like today, at, like um, for the 4th of July, Mark Ruffalo tweeted a picture of Cap's ass <laughs> and said happy 4th of July to everybody. So I think we're all on that page. Um, but yeah, I just really liked that point. I hadn't really thought about the comic creation uh, as much as even though I waffled about that a couple minutes ago, I hadn't really connected those dots. So I really enjoyed that. Thank you, Alex. And like last time, we're just going to set this up and let M. Samro take it home with our last little note about Steve Rogers. From M. Samro, there is so much I could write about Steve Rogers on a meta level. I have so many thinky thoughts. But I'm going to try and narrow down and focus on one thing that I think is central to the Steve Rogers Captain America appeal for me, what I'm going to call his social justice judgment. This is going to get political because I do believe Captain America is inherently political. The thing about Steve is that his real superpower, beyond the super strength and healing, is his moral code. The idea of Captain America is that he's someone who embodies the highest ideals uncompromisingly and with ironclad conviction. But highest ideals is vague and subjective, and so in fandom you get to see all kinds of interpretations of that. To some of us, Steve is someone who's unfailingly kind and generous in every interpersonal encounter. To some, he's someone who knows just how to support a person who's in the throes of a panic attack or a crisis of conscience. But to pretty much all of us, he's someone who will fight for the underdog and stand up to all of the bullies a strong man who knows the value of strength and uses it to defend the weak, a person who uses his privilege to protect those who lack that privilege because he knows what that was like. And here's where the fantasy appeal comes in. The fantasy of Steve Rogers is that he will always, always correctly identify the underdog of any given scenario. He will always be able to discern who the victim is, who has the least privilege, who most needs protection and defense, and he will fight for them. He would never fall for, as Trevor Noah puts it, Donald Trump's offers of victimhood to those who are in fact privileged in American society. Steve Rogers has unerring social justice judgment. And I know that's a fantasy because life is messy and there isn't always just one victim. And also because we constantly see even people who are passionate about social justice fall on their faces and misidentify victims and perpetrators. Alice Walker wrote The Color Purple, one of the most iconic stories about racial, economic, and sexual justice. And yet these days you can find her writing on her blog about how lizard people Jews caused COVID-19. I am a disappointingly non-lizard person Jew. I guess I wasn't invited to that planning meeting. J.K. Rowling wrote an entire book series about the insidious impacts of bigotry and societal hierarchies, and yet nowadays is amplifying transphobic talking points they cast women as the victim of trans people's rights for inclusion and equality. And I'm sure many women have stories about men who profess progressive viewpoints and yet are often blind to their own misogyny. And so the fantasy appeal and enduring relevance of Steve Rogers is that he allows us to believe that there are people who would never, ever do that. People whose judgment is clear, whose need for justice is uncompromising whose listening skills are sharp, and whose compassion and conviction are boundless. It's a fantasy worth aspiring to. Happy birthday, Steve.
as much as we could keep talking about Steve forever, Ovs, hello, the whole point of this podcast, we do have some other newsy updates. So, Ferret, what is the latest on Tropoff? Well, things are getting really heated now, and I'm actually like kind of worked up about getting to the end. I'm like, part of me is very excited to finish this and find out who wins, and part of me is like really, really sad to see it over. It's, I'm going to have to check the date, but I think it's been almost exactly a year, which is so much more time oh than my I God. expected. Yeah, pretty sure it was August last year. Um, so yeah, it's, hit, it's hitting me. We have, we only have three more left because it is double elimination, but because they're not actually competing against each other, we won't need the double loss if someone's first loss is in the final. So we can dump the last potential thing. So yeah, we're looking at three more face-offs and I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm overcome. I'm emotional. We've had one face-off since I updated everybody last and that was Trapped Together versus Soulmates. Soulmates took it 65 to 35, which was the same ratio that we got with Soulmates versus Fake Dating. So Soulmates is kind of barreling through, taking out everyone in its path on its way to the final. That kicks out Trapped Together. And we only have three tropes left in the running. Are you going to tell everyone which one you voted for? Well, anyone who follows me on Twitter knows that I retweeted this and said vote for the correct one and the you correct one always soulmates. Right. Um, I don't think you said that part. <laughs> literally. Well, I mean, I, everyone, it's the same thing that whenever Saber retweets something and says, you know what to do, people. <laughs> Assume that I always mean soulmates. <laughs> I mean, fair enough. It's, it's my, if I had a vote, it would have been my vote too. Um, I just love it. So yeah, I, I'm really happy. I'm really happy with where this is kind of going. I'm also really intrigued. I like you, I mean, I'm coming into this obviously a little bit later and I'm not the creator, but I'm amped up for both the end and the next round. Like I love yes. having these conversations about tropes. Like this is so much fun. Yeah. And so just a heads up to people, I do intend to run around two, and then I will have an all-stars round that will get bigger and bigger as time goes on and the, all the winners will always be or maybe I'll save them up I don't know something's gonna happen but there will definitely be a round two because this has been a, a super huge amount of fun and people I talk to seem to be enjoying it so as long as you guys are getting a kick out of it then I'm happy to keep running it last time I did the 25 tropes myself round two is going to have an audience participation factor where I'm going to solicit submissions and I will pick 25 from those submissions. I may trim them down and then use a randomizer. I'll see. Somehow we'll end up with 25 tropes. And yeah, so you guys are going to be able to contribute. So I will publish the full list of tropes that were involved in this round. And then any trope that's not on the list is going to be available for to sign up to compete in Trope Off 2. So exciting! So exciting. So that's where we stand. Everyone get your voting fingers ready. The final is going to run for four days instead of two days. So you've got two more regular uh, battles in the semifinals. And then for the final, be prepared to, uh, to cast your vote. I know it's going to be hard. I think it's going to be hard no matter what. But there has to be one winner. 
there can only be one. It's like Highlander. It is. But one of the best ways to use tropes is in fan works. Mm-hmm. And we were talking, dear listeners, Farrah and I, a few months ago, and realizing that there is not quite enough OT3 events out there in fandom. So we got a little crazy and decided to run an event of our own. And we also got a little crazier and decided you guys might want to be involved in the process of running it. So we're bringing in a new mini that's going to feature in the next several weeks of the pod. We're calling it Life of an Event with Flaret and it's up next. Life of an event. We're going to start you guys off from the start, how we came up with the idea and the plan for it, and then the various things that we've already decided and taken care of at this point, and then every episode until after the event is over. We will give you a little update, if we have one, on what we had to do as moderators for the event, if we had any decisions that we had to make. Um, Obviously, we'll keep people's names out of it, but we hope that this will kind of give those of you who are interested in running an event or interested in creating an event, but feeling a bit uncertain about what it will be like, um, a chance to sort of see behind the curtain without revealing any actual names or anything like that. So this gives you a chance to kind of peek in and see how these sorts of things might work. And obviously lots of people run events and lots of people have different approaches and we certainly aren't saying that this is the only way to do things, but uh, we did get a fairly awesome response for our events bonus episode. So we thought this might be a way to do a more in-depth dive into one specific event so you can kind of see that process. So first of all, why did we decide to do this? I mean, for us, this particular event, I mean, events start for a lot of different reasons. Um, This started with a severe thirst for more Bucky, Steve, Tony fix Mm -hmm. and fan works all around. And that it is often a ship that is allowed in Steve, Tony events or Steve, Bucky events or Bucky, Tony events. But to our knowledge, there wasn't really one that celebrated the three of them together. And we wanted that to happen because first of all, we love writing it. And we were talking about how much we love writing it together. Actually, Ferrets and my very first written collab was these three idiots. True. So we wanted more opportunities for people to do that. Additionally, events are a really great way to get people into creation or introduce people to a ship or introduce people to each other, to fellow creators in a ship. Low key events are a really great way to do that. And so we knew a couple things going in. We knew we didn't want it to be a bingo Mm -hmm. because there are a lot of bingos. We knew we didn't want it to be server specific or discord bound because we wanted everybody to be able to participate in it, whether or not you are a socializing entity within fandom or not. So then that meant it it narrowed down a few things. Like we eliminated a couple of kinds of events. Um, and we got it down to a couple finalists. I can't remember what else we had on the on the table besides stockings, but we ended up deciding on stockings. We did exclude a straight gift exchange for a couple oh, that's of reasons. Right. Um, I like a gift exchange. I've certainly done them. I think that the downside to a gift exchange is that it's not a super low barrier for entry. You have to be confident that you can create 
a fan work of the minimum requirements, which are usually a little higher than for something like a bingo and fit them to the person that you're going to be assigned and you have no control over the person that you're going to be assigned. The matching part can be difficult and inevitably some people end up with matches that aren't perfect just because you can't control who enters. So, but mostly the thing that appealed to me with a stalking style event is that you don't have to be a fandom creator already and you don't have to be a fandom creator at all in order to participate in a stalking event. What I love about this is this event is going to be open for anybody who wants to sign up to receive gifts and they don't have to make gifts if they're unable to or they run out of time or they just don't want to. So it's a great way to show some appreciation and to get involved in events, people who aren't necessarily fanware creators. So if you're a beta, if you're a reader, if you like writing comments, but you don't draw or write stories or make mood boards or anything like that, you can sign up for a stocking. And we really, really, really encourage you to do that. It's an opportunity to get involved in an event without having to be somebody who produces anything other than love or a part of fandom or anything like that. And those people who are grateful for your contribution to fandom, whatever it is, have an opportunity to make gifts for you. And then because it's a stocking event, there's this option as well for treats at the end and, a, and ways to show love that actually doesn't involve fandom in a way. So you can say, I really, really love recipes. I really, really love pets. I really love knitting. I love knitting. I really love pictures of, I, you know, Hannibal. I don't know. Pick a feature. <laughs> And what we've concocted is kind of a way at the end where through Tumblr, not through AO3, we'll be able to kind of share some of those treats with each other, like little tiny stocking stuffers. Uh, these are the things that you buy in like maybe the dollar shop at Target as you're, as you're ready to, to finish the stocking stuffers. Absolutely. So there's lots of fun ways to get involved in this. And it felt, it just felt fun. I'll just be yeah. honest. And then we chose the date because I was getting obsessed with the idea of doing a Christmas in July event. And then it just kind of all came together from there. Yeah. So that's sort of how we got off the ground with the idea for the event. Since, since the idea, um, we've put a fair amount of work into getting it started. So just to give you an idea of what that's like, so far we made a Tumblr. We made an AO3 collection, and I'd just like to clarify, because some people have never worked with collections before, you don't need to have a special account for your event in order to make a collection for that event. The collection exists on its own, and the people who make it and contribute to it are assigned to it as owners or moderators or members. So if you want to, say, run an event of your own, say, Stuckoni Bingo, and you want to make a collection for it, then... You can just use your regular AO3 account, make the bingo collection, and spruce it all up to look like that with its own avatar and its own banner and its own information. And you will just quietly appear as the owner of the collection. And uh, then you won't have to switch accounts to run it. So we did that. We set that up. We spend a lot of time in photo, well, I use GIMP, not Photoshop, but <laughs> uh, Canva and GIMP um, 
making the banners and the avatar and passing things back and forth and going, do I need to move this four pixels to the left and all that kind of fun stuff. Yeah, it's fun. That's, that's exactly the word I would use. It's so fun. Not and <laughs> my head against a table because I couldn't make Canva do what I needed it to do. And it might have been like 1 a.m. I don't remember. Um, but I then... In the middle of the work. <laughs> oh, it, it felt like 1 a.m. to me. Um, uh, and then the, the other major undertaking is the writing out of the rules and the FAQ and the sign-up guide. I've actually run an event very similar to this before. So I did cannibalize some of my own written rules already to use for that. Um, but I actually think that the construction of all those written pages, the instructions, the sign-up instructions on AO3, FAQ and rules go on AO3 as well. They go on Tumblr, we made pages and posts that finagling of all that text and then finding an error in one and having to change it in three places, that is the finickiest, most time-consuming part of setting up an event. So if yes. you're planning to run an event, leave yourself time, space, and spoons to make that happen because, yeah, it may feel to you as if the rules are sort of inherent or understood, but when you actually go to write them out, and I recommend listening to our event mini episode where we do talk about uh, what it's like modding an event. We had some good advice in there as well for this, for like designing your rules specifically, but uh, yeah, it takes a long time. It's a lot of work. And in this one in particular, we had to really decide what it meant for us, for this to be, for the works to work as Stucconi. Yeah. I think that's the biggest like uh, debatable hurdle that we've been up against for this specifically it's a little easier maybe with a single ship, like a two person ship, uh, because you know, you say it has to focus on their relationship. Uh, but when there's three people in the ship, that means there's also the whole, the three of them together, but the three is made up of three other individual relationships between two people. We want to both give people the freedom to explore Stuccone in the way that they want to explore it while also making sure that this event stays about Stuccone because if you're not here for Stuccone, if you're here just for the Stucky or just for the Winter Iron or just for the Stony, then, you know, I think there's a lot of other places that that you can get that. So we want to make sure that people who sign up and people who create are doing it for the love of the trio, however that comes out of their hearts. <laughs> yeah, so we'll be encouraging people as they write their stocking, which we, we did in our examples, to kind of be clear about what a good stuccone ending is for you in this stocking. So yeah. are you somebody who is okay? And you should do this when you fill out prompts all the time. In my opinion, just good practice is exactly what does unhappy ending or happy ending mean to you? What does, and are, are you okay with ambiguity? Are you okay? Like, do you literally need to say the end and they all lived happily ever after? At the end? <laughs> like the clearer you can be in that kind of stuff, the more fun your creator can have without having to worry about if you're going to like it or not. Even though yeah. we all know that we will all inherently like it because it's a gift, like this circle of doubt in our heads. But for this event in particular, we were very intentional about modeling, making sure that people knew what this is going to be. And I'm sure I will anticipate that in the two months while this is running, that will be the question we answer in the top five of questions we answer over and over again. Yeah, yeah. I think there's inevitably a lot of questions about what the tags and relationship tags and character tags and universe tags mean on the signups. Um, I predict a lot of that question. And then, yeah, the other one will be, what counts as Stacconi? Does this count yeah. as Stacconi? Can I do this if this is Stacconi? And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I get it. And when it's a gift, 
you want to be careful. But I'll also say that our goal here is for everyone to get a couple of gifts, usually with stocking events. Um, each stocking gets at least at least two things maybe. Hopefully we can get a couple of things in for each people. So maybe that takes the pressure off a little bit that, you know, it's not one gift, one person. You can kind of follow your heart and enjoy yourself and not worry that your gift is, is going to fall short because, you know, it's a whole stocking people get to open. So. Yeah. And the there's lots of lots. And reminder, again, we've said this a couple of times and we've said it on the thing. Stocking events are low word count too. Like we're actually encouraging people word count wise to kind of keep this around 1K. Not yeah, because under. we want to creativity, <laughs> but because this isn't a, an exchange where you need to rock out. A, this isn't a big bang. This yeah. is suffer. So if you're someone who likes to make a bunch of mood boards or you're a drabbler and you just want, you can like, you can like take a bunch of prompts and just go hundred, 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 hundred. That would be like, that is the best way. This event is one of the best ways to exercise that skill that you have. So if you're a, get a spray and pray approach to giving gifts, then like this is your chance. You can fill as many stockings as you want and just go hog wild with it and have a great time. So sign up start for us on July 11th mm -hmm. and they run through. And so the next time we check in with you guys, signups will be underway. Yep. One of the things to note about AO3 is that they let you put in the dates for when signups will open and close, but you, you still have to go in and click the button to turn it on and off because they haven't actually implemented a feature that does that automatically. So I've set an alarm on my phone nice. <laughs> to remind us to do that on both days. We will do that. So we'll check back in with you guys in the middle of signups and we'll talk a little bit more about what the signup process is like as mods and maybe some of the most frequently asked questions and anything else that pops up from there. Also, if you guys have questions, not just about the event itself, but if you, our listeners, have questions about how we made certain decisions or how we made certain things work or how we're going to approach something, then that's what this segment is going to be about. So ask us those questions and we will answer them on air. And speaking of events in total, the Steve Tony games are chugging along. Oh. And I am thrilled to report that Fluff is in our rightful place in the lead. Enjoy it but while you can, because it's not going to last. So there's a month to go, and we are absolutely looking for more participants. I am contractually obligated, because Farrod edits this, to mention <laughs> that also needs participants. Yep. But like, really, honestly, guys, 2020 is a dumpster fire. Come create fluff with us. No, get the catharsis of writing some angst. You can write some hurt comfort, really just beat the shit out of them and then pet their little heads and make it all okay. That is valid team angst activity. And that is what we need right now. <sighs> Everybody needs more Steve and Tony is what this comes down to. Yeah. So even though we're- we can agree on that. <laughs> on that even though this is a flare at civil war it is not for anyone else in the universe you can hop teams back and forth there's and you can create however you want there's lots of info and speaking of that iron lawyer is going to be along in a few minutes to give us a full update all of the links are in the show notes about what's going on how to participate what to create it really is a low maintenance fun event that i I'm taking deadly seriously. Mm -hmm, me too. Because that is who we are, but that is not who you have to be. <laughs> but don't feel like this has to be intense to participate. Just know that that if we ever break up, it will be over Steve Tony games. Yeah. And without further ado, first here's only with a fandom wide events forecast, and then we'll hear from Iron.
there, fandom. This is Only More Love, your events forecaster, back once again to tell you all about what's happening, challenge-wise, in a Marvel fandom near you. As usual, I have a little note before I start with the current events. You'll be able to find everything I mention in this forecast linked and explained in the show notes of each episode over on podonthesuit.com. Okay, now that that's out of the way, let's talk about some of the many fun events that are happening. The Marvel Fans for BLM Browsing Week is underway and will be running until July 5th, while the auction itself will take place July 6th through July 12th. There are over 100 offerings for fix, digital and physical art, crafts, fan vids, and even fan labor like beta services and podficking. Please check them out and signal boost the post, which, as usual, you'll be able to find in our show notes. The tiny reverse bang submission period is still going strong until July 10th. Time to get your art in if you want to participate. We're hitting the two weeks left mark for the Fanworks Like It's 2012 Prompt Fest, whose round will end on July 13th. As we mentioned before, this event does require claiming and accepts any type of fills you can imagine and make. Have fun! The war for fluff or angst domination of the Stony world in the Steve Tony games continues to go strong, with 161 Stony works posted as part of the event at the time that this forecast was prepared. There's still plenty of time to join a team, or play for both sides, as the round will continue until August 9th. There are a little under two weeks remaining to claim and post your Marvel Undercover Prompt Fest prompts and fix. They are open and will stay so until July 12th. Posting will begin on July 13th. Both the Sam Steve Vacation Week and the Iron Strange Week are ongoing. There are no minimum requirements for either, and every form of media is allowed. On the matter of ship weeks, a steggy week is also coming your way, following the same rules as the other two. The Steve and Peggy celebration will go on from July 19th to July 26th. The Stucky Bingo, which Marie handed over to Each Peach Pear Plum and J underscore Gun, has opened for signups for round two. The round will go on until May 31st, 2021 with master posts expected June 6th, 2021, for a whole year of Stucky creations. Romanodgers? Pepperoni? Steggy? Any other Steve or Tony, Het, or Polly ship, including women? The Ladies of Marvel Bingo is back, and open for signups until July 31st, with cards going out August 5th. Also ongoing is the Sun and Storm in Every Blossoming comment fest for Black MCU characters on Dreamwith. It functions as a prompt meme where every prompt is a comment, and you can either post your fill as a reply to that comment or on AO3, and then link it as a reply to the fill's link post. As the name says, it is meant as a Black MCU character fest. So, if you ship our boys with any or all of Rhodey, Sam, T'Challa, or any of the other numerous Black characters in our fandom, go for it. The Cap I Am Bingo and Comment Bingo, Cap I Am Kink Meme and Lights on Park Avenue, and Starker Festival's Starker Summer Bingo 
are still open for participant signups and or contributions, and the links to all of these are still in our show notes of the past episodes. The CAPIMBB mods are also holding Discord chats for authors, so keep an eye out for the announcements of the time they'll take place, as they will vary to catch as many time zones as possible until September. This has been your events forecast. I'll see you next episode. Until then, be well and happy shipping. Hello fandom, this is Iron Lawyer. I'm here to update you once again on the ongoing Steve Tony games. Another two weeks have passed and a lot has happened. We're now very close to the halfway point. Before I continue, here's a quick reminder of how the games work. Both teams share a bingo card and create works for the prompts. Creating for prompts that are marked as typically belonging to the other team earns you double points. There are also several bonus prompts you can include to maximise points. And best of all, you don't need to sign up and can create for both teams if you want. I am recording this on Friday and the current scores are 1,261 to 1,068, 4 team fluff. As you can see, both teams passed the 1,000 point mark and are still going strong. If you want to see the current score more often than our once a week scoreboard posts, you can join our Discord or check out the official Phil's spreadsheet which comes with links to all the wonderful creations you've made. There have been 59 fills since we last talked, putting us at 165 fills in total at the moment. Right now, Team Angst has 13 bingos and 2 blackouts, while Team Fluff is ahead with 15 bingos and 3 blackouts. The number of universes works have been created for has also risen, Team Fluff currently has works in 28 canon non-main universes, and Team Angst has 23, meaning they are only missing two universes for the next achievement. Team Fluff is still missing vids and podfic as work types, as well as the corresponding format bonus prompts. Team Angst is only missing a rec list with works created prior to 2012, and a multi-voice podfic with crying to complete all format bonus points. If you are not sure if the fanwork type you'd like to do is accepted, don't hesitate to reach out to us mods. We love learning about new things. I'd also like to remind you that your creations don't have to be in English. For playlists and fix, non-English works even get a bonus. Since last time, one Russian fic translation has been submitted. Both teams have now completed the AUs and tropes, the canon references, and the kink bonus prompts. Finally, we would like to give another round of shout-outs to the people that created fills for the maximum number of points. Be the Flame created three fics worth 14 points for Team Fluff. Congratulations. Team Angst is still yet to submit a 14-point fill. That's it from me for now. We'll be back next episode with more Steve Tony Games updates. Until then, happy creating. And that's a wrap on episode 10. 
We want to thank Bill for chatting with Flame and Hot Damn It's Caitlin for the art, to the Potscast staff for all that they do, and to you for listening. We are really hitting our stride here, and we are loving every minute of doing this for you, and we'd really love to know what's working for you and what's not. What segments are your favorites? Are there things you'd like us to cover that we haven't yet? We have most of the first season planned. Yes, we are planning seasons, <laughs> but we do want to make sure this stays your fandom podcast. So please don't hesitate to tell us ways that we can make that happen for you. So hit us up on Discord, via email, through any of our socials or Stony Secrets, and we'll see you all for episode 11. You've been listening to Pod on the Suit. Thanks for joining us.